Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I think we're on. Are we? Are, I can't tell. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here getting an eBay notification um, uh, that says, I just sold, I just bought your thing, and you told me if I did a buy right now, I would, your shipping would be free, but it automatically charged me for shipping. So, so somebody's complaining to you right now well, as he started the show? Yeah, I think what he's saying is, hey, dude. Um, Why did you charge me shipping? You told me. I, well, I, I, I mean, I didn't charge you shipping. The software did. <laughs> well, nothing's perfect. You know, nothing's perfect. Tell him, tell him you're busy. You'll take care of it. I mean, what are you going to tell him? Yeah, right. That. Uh, yeah, um, so. so anyway, um, hold on. Let me send this to him. I'm sorry. This is compelling. This is compelling radio podcasting. You know, I tell you what's happened is because (laughs) I hate to do it, dude. I hate to do it in the first two minutes. Am I going to do it in the first two minutes? But because of the untimely death of my brother. Oh, yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. And then my my step grandpa who died two weeks ago, both of them had um, copious amounts of things. Now, obviously, my brother. Um, as as the, some people know, he never got married, never had any kids, but he still had a giant house full of, I mean, a giant, I mean, big three bedroom twin home full of stuff. And I, I, had, I saw in my, my I, house now. I saw lots of and, pictures of the right, vast amount then, of collectibles. And then my step grandpa, he had a, a, a farm that's been in the family since 1852. So he's got a hundred and what, 170 years worth of stuff. Oh, my. He probably didn't yes, throw much so, out. Yes, my old lady's like, dude, you need to start getting rid of some of this stuff. So I just started getting it, but I'm not I'm not a good um, eBayer. eBayer. You know, I do, I do a lot of stuff on Gunbroker, which is a whole, whole different type <laughs> of place. Um, but I'm not. Well, first of all, I'm a buyer. Is that on the dark? Is that on the dark web? No, that's know. arms list, but okay. let's not even go there dude, because you won't even understand it. You, you know what I mean? You won't even understand it. So obviously I didn't realize. So I just had to, t- to tell this dude back with my phone because I have my address. I use my thumbprint to sign in because I don't know what my eBay address is on my desktop. So anyway, but back to reality, we're doing, I think this, is this my 102nd or 103rd episode? 
Oh, we're it's oh boy, at least that doesn't matter. It is the second episode. Hey, it's the second episode. We have a guest, right? I know. I mean, I was completely taken by surprise. The difference is this guest, unlike last week, I mean, that dude was a loyal fan, almost like family when we started the podcast, definitely family when we got done with it. He was an Arkansas undertaker. That yep, knew Arkansas a dude here. that worked for the guy that embalmed Elvis. Bingo. So yep. the only reason why I put that out there is because our guest today, I know from a whole different world, the Twitter world, the knife-making world, the crazy-tattooed mill Twitter world, and I threw a line out there. He said, I'll be on your podcast. And a lot of people say they'll be on the podcast, but they chicken out, as you know. Yeah, Shane. yeah. And so right here, live from, from out east, is Joey Knuckles. And c- come on in, Joey. Tell us about yourself. Gentlemen, it's an honor and a privilege to be here. Thank you. I want to talk more about Gunbroker. I like the way that conversation was going. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, we'll have to talk offline because Shane, don't say this. Shane, Shane is, 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 first of all, he's a postman by trade. <laughs> so they're not allowed to have guns. That's we right. can't have guns. And yeah, he's a divorcee, so he's got two strikes against him. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's right. And he is in the quasi-entertainment business when he's not delivering the mail. And and we all know the libs don't pack any heat. So <laughs> he's got to do that sometime. <laughs> so three strikes, against, three, three strikes against me? Is that what mm-hmm. you tell? God forbid one exercises their Second Amendment rights. Well, <laughs> this is what I was afraid I'd do. I'd be I'd accidentally talk about packages up a bunch of stuff that you're not supposed to send through the mail and send it in the mail. And then they're probably spying on him, the OIG or something's probably spying on him. And then we'll be wrapped into some kind of a web. Some kind of a mail deal, you know what I mean? <laughs> Listen, if they haven't if they haven't arrested me by now, they're not going to. So That's let's a good just point. let's just let's they're just probably go. so shorthanded they can't. We are. Did I, on a completely an unrelated topic, did I tell you uh, in some about an hour north of Columbus and we got a, uh, a news release up here that one of the post offices in Columbus had, they went in and did an audit two weeks ago, 34,000 pieces of undelivered mail and hundreds of packages what? that hadn't been scanned. Some how neighborhoods, do they know? I mean, how do they know that it's undelivered? Well, because Does he there's, get scanned on delivery. Well, there's post. No, no, no. It was sitting around in the office, so it had been postmarked prior to getting there. And every piece of every piece of mail you get, first class mail, has a little barcode yes, on I the bottom. Of the I, I think front we can back. thank the Unabomber for that, can't we? <laughs> I don't know who we can thank for that. Yeah, this I, was, yeah. We'll go into that here in a second if you want to know about it. Go ahead. <laughs> but uh, but that is more of a. It, that's not so much of a unibomber is a uh, a way for uh, big companies to track when their mail actually hits the customer and make sure that it does because every so often we're asked to scan people's mail and it like registers or whatever. So anyway, they went in there and they found um, like thirty four thousand pieces of undelivered mail because they had been getting pl- complaints that some neighborhoods said they hadn't received mail in a month. And uh, so all of us are sitting there in our office where everything gets delivered every day. And we're like, you know, they're going to complain to us because we sat an extra three minutes on our break, you know, because they track that, too. And that office has delivered mail. Uh, The amount of mail that we get sometimes in a day, uh, that was four times that hadn't been delivered. So like a week, so almost a week's worth of mail for our office was just sitting around in another office. Now, like, does, that, does that fall on the local postmaster's responsibility? Well, they, they they said the kicker was is that the supervisors they felt that they were going to have to retrain the supervisors so they understood what their job responsibility <laughs> was. <laughs> it's like you know, hey, listen, I can't say our number what I was one, about to say. Our number one job responsibility is delivering yeah. the mail. If they don't, they don't have that part down. Then I don't know what kind of training, retraining is going to happen. So, wow. So yeah, it's uh, and so yeah, Howard, you're right. We're we're you know, we we've had two really good workers quit in the past 
three months who were part-time, but they worked full-time because they were getting sent on Sundays to facilities that are des- delivering Amazon packages. Um, the one town over here, Mansfield had, you know, I mean, it's thousands of Amazon packages come in there on a Sunday and they got to, and they got to get delivered. So they're just making part-time people go over and work on Sundays. And, you know, I look, people not wanting to work is one thing, but having to go on Sunday when you expect that to be at least your day, day off. Right. Yeah. Is, is another thing. And when there's, but see, here's the thing is all the old guys that are at the top of the pay pay scale. Uh, in fact, one of my best friends, he's, he's still out delivering right now. And you get a Sunday right differential, don't you? Oh my God. If you go work Sunday and you're at the top of the pay scale and, um, that's, that might as well be eight or nine hours at 70, $80 an hour. Wow. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, cause I knew you get, now do you guys yeah. don't get night differential too, do you? Uh, some places that, yeah, I mean, but you'd have to work over 10 hours to do that. They, they try not, I mean, some places do, we, we don't, we're just a small office. We don't usually go that late, but, but yeah, but that's why people then get shot on front porches. Yep. You know, that happens every night because you're out in a neighborhood at nine 30 in the, at night and it's dark on somebody's porch. Well, a lot of those places don't ask questions. They shoot first and ask questions later. And Not sadly, to mention people who want to take boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're, you know, how dumb is it? Nobody expects their mail at night. I mean, I've been out seven thirty, eight o'clock around Christmas, uh, delivering packages, and people are like, "What are you doing? You could have just brought it tomorrow." We're like, "Yeah, we know that, but our bosses don't, right. don't really, don't really care." Don't shoot the so. messenger, guys. Yeah, don't literally, literally, but uh, but this isn't about me and my and the no, sorrow about, of the hey, United so, States. So <laughs> yeah, so so you know, tell us about how'd you get into making knives, Joey? And and because I've seen some crazy knives you made. I guess they're crazy. I've never made one, but but it it looks like it's a pain. Or I mean, how do you do that? Um. Well, let me let me start by how I got into it. I've um, I've always been a creative guy from the time I was little drawing, painting, molding clay, writing, writing music, you know, when I was in bands in high school and all that. And uh, 2013 or so, I had an Instagram page and I was trying to do art. And I mean, I'm a decent artist, but I'm I'm not good enough or anywhere near good enough to ever paint something that somebody would want to buy. And uh, going through like a really bad part of uh, my relationship with the mother of my children and just in a really bad place. And there was this kid who followed me on Instagram and he would always post these pictures of folding knives and fixed blade knives. And some of them were really cool. And I was like, yo, where did you get that? He was like, oh, this guy on Instagram made it for me. I'm like, wait, what do you mean he made it for you? He's like, oh, he's got a little shop in his garage. I was like, get the hell out of here. So I got totally ate up with it, started watching all the YouTube videos I could watch, started hitting people up, asking annoying questions on Instagram, got like $1,000 together, bought some belts and a, a really basic shitty grinder and some steel and um, made a lot of mistakes. But uh, it turns out I was pretty, pretty damn good at it. And um, I, of course, bucked the system and didn't follow the trick. You know, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of egos in knife making. There's a lot of the old school traditional guys who don't really um, appreciate the younger dudes like me who come in and just start doing things the way we want to. You know, I'll you never mean guys be... that and, and and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, not at all, because I have a buddy of mine that's been in the knives since the late 80s. Right. Yep. And he has got some knives that they purport to be worth a lot of money because oh, sure. people made them. Yep. And that means shit to me because I always wanted to be a gunfighter, right? Gotcha. Right? And I don't, you know, we always hear those now, it's just 21 feet or, 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 or you know, if you're within 21 feet, the knife can beat you and stuff like yep. that. But, but, um, and, and the only thing I can equate to making a knife is we made a lot of, you know what a fish gig is? Yep. In the metal shop, not at my school, but the other school, a friend of mine, 
ended up being the ag teacher down there and they made some fish gigs and some um not really spearheads what what's at the end of, is it a pike what's at the end of a of a pole would that oh, be like a pike? That, like a harpoon with a barb on it yeah kind of like yeah not only gigs for fishing but then they made a couple to stab wild pigs with so, or go frog, I mean, or guys, go frog gigging. Or maybe something. because maybe because they're high school kids and they don't know any better, they just go out there and because that other school had a um, not a kiln. What's it called? A furnace? Not a furnace. Or for like um, it, uh, it, they had a thing like a smelter, like they a, had a smelter forge. Yeah, they it had almost looked forge. like a uh, above the ground fire pit that had an air blower. You know, had like a bellows on it that they could. Yeah, it's a forge. Could, it's it's a, it's a what? A forge. Yeah, so they did some stuff, but they didn't know, you know, when you said traditional knife baking, these kids were high schoolers, so they didn't know they weren't supposed to do it like that. So, <laughs> uh, so you guys, new, new, new artists like you, knife artists, just kind of upset the uh, what do they call that nowadays? Not upset uh, the establishment. Yeah, no, I was thinking of something else. It's a goofy tagline I see in social. I'm not a good social media person. It's uh, you disrupted, you disrupted them, right? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say most of us newer guys. I mean, there are new guys who get into it who are all about all the technical, every you know, by the book, by the letter, and they just adhere to the strict, you know, doctrine of traditional knife making. And look, I respect that, but I like making things that look cool in the in the way I like doing them, and a, a lot of my work, um, I'm self-taught. You know, I would imagine if you took some of the most renowned knife makers uh, out there who've been doing it for decades, if one of them came and watched me make a knife, he, one of them would probably have a heart attack, you know, because they'd be pulling hair out of their head. But that's that's just my process and that's the way I do it. And, um, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of, um, when you see my work, you know it's mine. Like you, you can tell what my work looks like. And I'm, I'm very, very proud of that as a creative person. Cause let's be honest. I mean, knives are thousands and thousands of years ago. One of the first weapons we came up with was either a blunt object or a, a stick that you sharpened at the end. And there's only so many ways you can make a knife. It's got to have a point. It's got to have an edge. And after that, they all pretty much serve the same functionality. So I like making my stuff look when you see it, even if it didn't have my maker's mark on it, you're going to know it's a, it's an 03 Metalworks blade. Now I, I want to ask, cause I'm, I have not seen any of this work cause yeah. I, you know, was totally taken by surprise. <laughs> so I, and I, so I know, you know, and I don't know a lot about this, but so what, so when you go into like design your your knives, what is the what's your design made? Like, do, do you do something with the blade, or do you do something with the part that's the handle? Like, I mean, what's what is unique and special and makes your stuff stand out? Like, how would somebody look at it and say, "Oh man, that's one by by Joey Knuckles, man." I know, that, I know it anywhere. The way I finish my handles, they have a, a fairly distinctive um, profile and the way I actually shape the handles and finish them. And a lot of the finishes that I put actually on the steel, I've got a couple of, um, uh, I mean, I'm sure somebody else has done them, but I've never, never seen them. I've got some acid edge finishes that are very unique. Um, I do some textured finishes that are very unique and some of my overall just blade profiles, you know, like I'll do stuff freehand, just whatever's in my head. And then I've got my, my standby designs, uh, that are all functional and, and purpose driven. And, um, I've had those for years and just those profiles themselves, you just see them so much. Um, and I've probably done, I don't know, since 2014, I've probably done close to five, 600 knives already. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of my work out there and my, my, I'm probably not good at articulating it, but if you go to my Instagram page or my webpage and look at the, um, or my website and look at the gallery, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Now, what's your website? What's your Instagram? What I mean, where we go? So everything is O3 Metalworks. That's zero three and then Metalworks spelled out. Well, That's I, my I, website. I got to look it up so I know, so, sure, I got, so I can ask some questions here. Absolutely. Hey, and, and I'm assuming the O3, is that a spinoff, uh, O311, or what is that spinoff? Or that's, that's correct. As, um, 
For anybody who doesn't know, O3 is the first two numerical designators of the Marine Corps Combat Arms MOS. And, uh, you know, you got O311, which is a rifleman, O331, which is a machine gunner, O341, which is a mortarman, 51, which is assaults, and 52, which are tow gunners. And I just, I got out of the Marine Corps in 96, and I just had O3 something in my head, whether it was going to be for art or if I was going to be a tattoo artist or, or whatever. And um, when I was trying to come up with a name for my knives, I was going through my old sketchbook, and I had a bunch of, like, O3 designs. I was like, that's it. O3 Metalworks. Right. Right. I like it. I I mean, this is, I'm looking and this is some cool stuff. And I, you know, and this is not my, this is not my bag. Well, you know know, what I'm saying? But this is cool. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking that, that, that we needed to, uh, the From the Shadows has to have an official. We need to commission a uh, some we kind of werewolf knife, knife or something. If the werewolf oh, or the dog man oh, or somebody a comes, yeah. a dagger. Uh, we need a. You need a. Yeah, cryptid, we need. That's dagger. what I'm thinking. You know what I mean? That's what I I'm like thinking. A, a ghost blade. A yeah. ghost blade. Uh, hey, listen these these are cool. So, so these are all pre- you know these aren't just for a collector to put up on a, on a wall or in a box or anything. This no, is all man. practical stuff. I, I want my, my stuff is all purpose driven, very practical. As far as, you know, handmade knives go, they're pretty damn affordable. And I want, I want people to use my knives. I don't, I don't want them sitting on a shelf or in a safe or in a case. And that's why I don't do like super high polish finishes to take hours and hours of sanding because you pay $800 for a knife with a finish like that. Nobody wants to go use it. You know, so is I this keep, a meat? Is this a meat cleaver I'm looking at? Yes, that is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome because it's. I'm looking at this one. It's got kind of like that. I don't know what kind of green you would call that, but uh, that the it, your your customer must have placed it with their some of their uh, plates and cups, and it kind of yeah. looks. It's got that um, 1800s palette of colors there yep. you know that's looks- a recent one that's a recent one i did for somebody on twitter she wanted uh tiffany blue handles to match a to closely match a uh, a set of you know kitchenware that she bought and uh she took a great picture the customer pictures are one of my favorite things of all time that that is that's that is man and then you got spikes yeah holy crap now there now that's something hollow right there See? That's a, a spike for werewolf, for werewolf right there, or Dracula, vampire. Yeah. You don't got to worry about a vampire if you got one of those, man. Ah, uh, listen, this stuff is cool. I, I'm, uh, I'm very intrigued now, and I, like I said, I'm not somebody who would even, uh, wow, would even yeah, think I, about. I this. like making stuff that looks really cool, man. You know, functionality first and foremost, but all right, now let's make it look cool. So, so how long does it take you to make uh, a knife like that? My like, biggest, uh, yeah, my like, biggest, like the meat cleaver or whatever. I mean, how long does it take you to do something like that? Um, the bit, my biggest problem right now, I won't say it's a problem. My biggest consumer of time is I work exclusively in stainless steel right now. And stainless steel is notoriously um labor intensive to heat treat so i send all my stuff out to be heat treated professionally to a place here in pennsylvania um and the turnaround time depending on how busy they are could be anywhere from three to six weeks so i don't count that in in the time it takes to put something together so um from the time of profiling a blade to putting the initial bevel on it and getting it heat treated i'd say you're probably looking anywhere from 12 to 24 hours depending on the complexity the finish the detail of the handle materials if it's split materials and i got to get those lined up and glued together so that's a good ballpark figure so you said stainless steel i guess i didn't realize all these were stainless steel i didn't realize you could you could I, i call it patina but it's not really not when you put these designs in that stainless yeah how do you do that i mean i mean there's and i found this out by serendipity by making a mistake um knife makers use ferric chloride 
which is a fairly weak acid to darken blades. And then yep. it's kind of like gun bluing. And then yep. you can either stonewash them so it puts a texture on them, whatever. Well, one time I was like, why don't I get some Cerakote decals that they used to put like cool patterns on firearms and stuff. Yep. It's like if I, if I put those stickers on the steel, it'll protect the steel from the acid where the stickers are and it'll etch the open areas. So I did that and it worked. I was like, oh, cool. Well, one time I forgot one of the uh, knife blades in the acid for like three hours and it gave it a pretty deep etch. Didn't screw it up. I took the sticker off and I started cleaning it and sanding it and then I started buffing it. And I started getting the unetched areas to really shine, but it left that pattern in there and it just looked really cool. And it's just something I started doing a lot because people really liked it. And that's how you get what you see there. And so you, you kind of discovered it by accident. By Absolutely. Trial it, was a, it was a mistake <laughs> that I learned from. And uh, now I got a new technique. Hey, and wow. a couple of these cleavers have like a Kydex holster with them. How do you uh, do you make them too? Yes, sir. Yeah, I've just got a, a Kydex press, which is basically two pieces of plywood with some uh, heat-resistant foam that's got hinges on one side. You warm up your Kydex, and I've got a shop toaster oven because it, it heats very uniformly. If you heat Kydex too much, it'll start to curl, so you got to find the sweet spot. Get it nice and soft. Get your blade in there. Close your uh, Kydex press. Put a, a vise on it. Let it sit for about 10 minutes for it to cool off. Then you got to rivet it and shape it and all that. But yeah, it gives you a nice, nice snug fit. And I like doing that for my bigger, um, a lot of my bigger culinary blades. Just if people want to put it in a pack and take it out to camp with them, you know, you don't want a, uh, an open blade rolling around sure. in, your, in your cap. You're either going to ruin your other gear or your hand when you reach in for it. Right. Yeah. I'm telling you, dude, I, uh, yeah. I'm almost, I, you know, it's like me and it's like me and gun broker. Sometimes uh, I can't, I like them all, right? How do you get them all? You know? And I'm not I even know, I, knife, dude. I, now what is the, I mean, you know, cause I'm, I'm looking at these knives and they're pretty, even though they're designed a lot differently, it's still just, it's a knife. Okay. Yep. So what is the craziest thing anybody's asked you to try and make that wasn't a knife um hmm, that's a good question i had a marvel comics freak um hit me up and commission a batarang that what? He was, a batarang you know batman's like uh the boomerang shaped like a bat and it's got you know points for the wings and all that right he's gonna build a shadow box he bought like one of the Hollywood replicas of the mask and he actually did a really, really, really good job. I mean, I'm not a huge Marvel guy, but I can respect the the meticulous attention to detail. And he he mounted this batarang in a shadow box with the rest of this Batman stuff and it came out really, really nice. Um, that wasn't a knife, did not have an edge on it. Um, I've also had and this is this is an interesting one. I've had some people with anxiety disorders contact me. Um, a lot of them apparently use like worry stones to to channel like their nervous energy and stuff when they're feeling anxiety or whatever. And they had seen some of the work I do with copper. And I had a couple of them ask me like, can you find like a one inch diameter copper sphere and just hammer it, put a hammered texture on it? Um, and they carry it around in their pocket. I've done like five of them. They carry it around in their pocket and they just kind of tumble it around in their hands when they're feeling anxiety, um, which is kind of rewarding to make something for somebody like yeah. that. And when they're feeling kind of out of the loop, they reach for something that I made for them and it gives them comfort. So that's, and you know, look, I'm typically an asshole, so you wouldn't expect me to say something <laughs> no, like that. Okay. But, we, but I, but we, I, do appreciate I, I confessed that. to being one last week, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I call yeah, that assaholic okay. because you're trying to get over being an ass. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to get over it. Yeah. And sometimes I relapse. Right. But the dude is still here. <laughs> yep. I just try not to let him come up, but he's, you, you but you just don't know who's going to flip that switch. That's exactly. my problem. And, and you know yo, I mean? there are, and that's, that's one of the perils of Twitter. There are, 
I've gotten very good at, at just like writing people off and just ignoring idiots, but there are some types of people that just flip my switch, and that is why I am on my um. I'm trying to behave a lot these days because this is my my fifth Twitter account. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. yeah, they they banned me four times prior to this. For what? Holy <laughs> for memes, you know, for for saying toxic a meme. Yeah, like seriously. But here's the thing, though. There's a lot of these lefties who get into these um, DM rooms and they will pick people and mass report them just because they don't like either their political opinions or Wait, whatever. You say DM room, you mean just direct message? What's a DM room? A, a direct message room where they'll have like a hundred people in there and they'll have oh, a I list. didn't know what are those? I've never heard. I've never. I, what? It's just a, a, a bunch of people in one, one DM room. All Joey, 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 don't explain to him how to get in one because you're just well, see, you know, I what I'm saying. Want to go in I've there. just now got to where I can click on the thing. But what they will do is they'll keep a list of accounts that they don't like and they'll say, All right, who's on the hit? And they've gotten me four times. So I play, I try and play very nice. I just, I block my block list is prolific. I would just I block people because then they can't report you because they can't they're not seeing your your content, you know. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. I just got to where I started listening. You know how they do them live. You know what they call what yeah. they call them spaces or whatever. Space. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I listen to them like when I'm picking up my kids or like yep. you know different things, especially like during football season. I really got into them because I would sit up and wait for the football practice to be over and sure. and and I'd be listening to spaces, but I can't deal with them long term because. So, you know, they're like open for everybody, right? Yeah. And people raise their hand, they get in there, and they're and they're they're just not very good speakers. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And God it's... bless them. Their their heart might be in the right place, and their mind knows exactly what they want to say, but they can't do it. You know what I mean? And after two or three or four of them, I'm just like, dude. Dude, I know plenty of very nice people who annoy the living shit out of me just by virtue of the way they're built. And that that's a problem with me. That's not their problem. So, you know, it's all good. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't even know a, D- a DM room. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, just don't do not do it. Just stay, yes. just stay out of it. <laughs> don't, don't do it. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> been in a DM room in, in Well, days. when you say DM, I keep thinking DM room like... like in, like in, he's getting in, tied in, up and in a previous and, and no stuff. yeah that too oh. i never even thought about that no, in a previous world i occupied dm stood for defensive measures and you were in a mat room right you're in a mat room going fighting somebody right gotcha and uh so when you said dm room that's what i, I thought you know but anyway go ahead i don't know interesting wow see i learned something new all the time yeah so this is my uh this is my fifth dm account and now uh, DM account, Twitter account, and now the incentive is because I've got my Joey Knuckles page and I've got O3 Metalworks, and I've got to play nice because I don't want to jeopardize O3 Metalworks. Right. Sure. Well, I and 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 you know, here's the thing: it's not, it's really not worth it to get into an argument it's not. you don't know. You're not gonna change anybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're not going to change anybody anybody's anybody's opinion. You know, and if we've gone through what we've gone through the last couple of years and everybody can stay civil with each, you know, I don't have the same views on a lot of stuff as, as even the howler, sure. but we get along swimmingly. Well, this is why <laughs> yeah. I don't, Hey, this is why I don't really engage with a lot of crazies on there. Yeah. Okay. It's I don't because, like crazies from either side of the aisle, to be honest. Well, with it is yeah. not even that because you know, I, I'm scared of about two thirds of the people in this world. Right. And and not necessarily that I need to be, but I don't want to say I am a dark person because I'm not a dark person, but I've been with some people that are very dark and, and, and have done bad things all around this world, sometimes for even for just for entertainment purposes. Right. And when you've rode around with some hard, hard individuals, it for me it spooks you because you don't know who that dude is, right? He might be the guy at Walmart pushing true. a cart in front of you. He may, you know what I'm saying? He Very may, true. he may be. I mean, yeah. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm sitting here with the AR10 and 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 20 mags, 177 grain open tip match, and I'm a nice guy. 
What's a bad guy got? <laughs> right. Yeah, you know what I mean? A knife. A knife by Joey Knuckles. Yes. <laughs> that's what he's got. Right, that's right. I didn't even think about that. Hey, uh, yeah, gold dagger. Hey, uh, hey, 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 gold. He's got a werewolf spike. Oh, in I, just, werewolf I, just, spike. I just have so, my hell I just have my Hellcat and my Scorpion on hand tonight. So that's exactly right. I have a pen. I have a pen and a blank piece of paper. That's all I got. I don't know. I don't, you guys, you guys are really scared of me. You know? <laughs> I mean, you guys are really scared of me. But I, I, um, I do though. I think it's, I think it's awesome that you, um, you know, being. I mean, I loosely call myself a creative person, but I think it's really incredible uh, that you're able to do something that you really love and are obviously passionate about. And turn it into something that you can do, I don't even want to say as a job, because they always say if you do something you love, it's not really a job, you know. And, uh, I mean, I spoke earlier today to a guy who's going to be on one of the paranormal parts of our program. And he he has been able to not have to go back to his IT job, because he's an, he was an artist similar to you. Like, he, he could do sculpting and... and uh, resin fi- and he started doing like bigfoot uh resin figures and sculptures and stuff and the because it brings and the best thing is it brings you joy making them and you know that your customers and the people that ordered them they're also going to have joy yep. when they receive it and every time they look at it and um and i i think that's cool i think i the world would be a much better place if everybody got to do something they really Loved. It, it, it saved my life, man. And, and to take that one step further, um, COVID was kind of a mixed blessing for me. Um, and look, it was really shitty. Nobody likes being locked down and all that. But I tried to maximize. You know, I, w- I was lucky to be able to work full time the, the entire time. Uh, I'm an IT guy. I've been doing IT for a long time. Uh, been working at this job for quite a few years. So I'm a known commodity. Um, but every night I was still living with my ex, my kids. I didn't know if there's going to be food riots or whatever. So I wanted to be there to take care of them. But what I did was I made a plan. I was like, look, so we're going to be locked down. I'm going to bust my ass every night after work in that shop. And I'm going to make as much money as I possibly can and pay off the second mortgage on this house so I can turn it over to my ex. She can take it over, refinance it, just give it to her. And then once that's done, I'll be able to take out a VA loan and buy my own place in Pennsylvania. I'm only an hour away from them, right down 84. Um, so I really made the time locked down. I, I made it count. To take that one step further, now that things are kind of dwindling down, I don't want to go back to commuting five days a week. I don't. You know, I, I don't want to do that anymore. I got a new boss now who's kind of an asshole and... I don't want to schlep every day. I want to be my own boss. So, yeah, cause, you know, at the end, the only thing you have is time. And when that exactly. runs out, you know what I mean? Exactly. That That is where it's at. And that's why I made O3 Metalworks an, an official company this past February. Because I was like, you know what? This is, I wasn't ready. Now I'm ready because, you know, I don't want to go back to doing that. So, um, yeah, hopefully over the next 12 months, I'll be able to fully make that transition. But um, well, I, I got to be honest with you. I think that's that is part of the reason why there's not a lot of people out there in the workforce because they figured out the same thing you figured out is yeah. that look, I I've got all this time. I max I figured out something I really can do and and make a living at. And like the Howler said, all you got is time, and you might as well right. make the most of it and enjoy it. And sure. I got to be honest, going to work and punching a clock and and serving hamburgers or even though we need people to do that sure that doesn't sound like fun to me i mean yes. i wouldn't i wouldn't want to go back and especially and after over 20 years in the in the private sector of of doing it work and the the flip side is also i think this opened a lot of people's eyes that a lot of jobs can be done remotely i mean look let's not mm-hmm. if if you can't manage yourself if you're not disciplined if because you're home you're just gonna be screwing off all day no teleworking is not for you but i got two cell towers built during a pandemic under budget and on time you know so it's it's all about having the self-discipline to take pride in your work and um 
I just proved to myself that I don't need to it, judging people's productivity by whether how long how often their ass is in a chair every day. That that's an antiquated way to look at things. Some things, obviously, you got to be there. If you're flipping burgers, you can't do that remotely. Um, I can remote into every system I'm responsible for. So, you know, just kind of open my eyes a little bit. Sure. Well, and I think, you know, when, when Shane just said something about uh, people being gone, the good people found a way. Right. That's sure. why I'll, that's yeah. why there's no good help out there. Absolutely. You know, I had somebody tell me over the weekend that that. uh Essentially, what he told me is he's got a 50-year-old woman that could outwork every 20-year-old he's hired this year. And he was trying to figure out, is it something about a generational thing or is that a, uh, uh, you know, and he says he's, he said he's had two people quit before 10 o'clock on their first day. And I said, what do you mean? He said, they'll just look at you and say, this ain't for me and leave. Yep. <laughs> lot, lot of, have, lot, lot of people are working hard, man. They should have figured that out. I mean, I think that goes back also to the way a lot of people are raised. You know, I mean, I, I have had a job since I was 14 years old. Me too. You know? Yeah, there you go. You got to work. And, you know, I'm also a little biased. I went in the Marine Corps at 19. So I've been self-sufficient for quite a number of decades now. Um I need to remind myself that not everybody's been in the military. Not everybody's a Marine. Not everybody had that regimented six years. Um, right. But still, there's a lot of people who never served in the military who are more disciplined than I am. So, you know. Just now, I got, now, I got to ask, and, you know, everybody that comes on that's a veteran, yep. um, you know, number one, thank, thank you for your service, definitely. I mean, you get, make it you, – you made it easy on us uh, – chickens that didn't you know don't have the guts to you know Shane couldn't do it because hey hey joey i'm gonna tell you first of all he had his high school girlfriend knocked up and he was a division one football star out in ohio so that's why he johnny utah over here that that's yes that's exactly that's right that's right johnny utah that's exactly right he just he lost his window there that's the only problem (laughs) but anyway since you know we've established that i why i could not do it but also but anyway uh, I always get asked, so what, um, because from the paranormal side of me, some of our best stories come from veterans who yep. either were on a base somewhere where there was a known, you know, Bigfoot or somebody was, um, had something to do with, you know, with UFOs or they were overseas and there's a lot of crazy stuff. Hey, he's been to Okinawa. So if there's a haunted place, it would be one of the, it'd be out one of the islands, I would think. So, <laughs> so I got to ask anything like super creepy or that just kind of like you couldn't answer or, you, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? Like you couldn't explain ever happened over there. That was not military related. Um, the only thing that could be, well, Two two quick stories. One, I believe we went to Vegas for the weekend, and we were driving back late on a Sunday night. It was like probably 3 a.m., and we were all packed into my buddy's truck. A lot of us were like half asleep, and we woke up because the driver screamed, locked up the brakes, and he was just clutching the steering wheel. He's like, he was right in the middle of the road. He was right in the middle of the road. And we're like, who? What? He's like, I don't know. Some old dude was just standing in the middle of the road, and then he wasn't there. And we looked around. We didn't know if we hit somebody or what. We looked around for 45 minutes, and my buddy Shane, he swore. He was this old back road cutting back through San Bernardino Valley. And he's 3 a.m., he said this old man with long gray hair was crossing the street, and he almost hit him, and then he was just gone. I was half asleep. We had drank all weekend. You know, I can't say it was anything paranormal, but that was weird. Like, that was creepy. Looking around with a flashlight. I would say say so. That was was pretty creepy. Now, the other other one, um, I was stationed in 29 Palms, California, which is – um, it's the Marine Corps Air Ground Combat Center, and the the thing of distinction about Twenty Nine Palms is it's where everybody comes to train and drop big bombs because it's on the edge of the Mojave Desert. There's just so much land out there where you can drop big ordnance. 
Well, there's an area out there called Blacktop. Um, and we'd go out there. We'd be working two weeks, three weeks at a time doing operations and all that. And at night, um, let me backtrack. That area is very close to Amboy, where Charles Manson and his followers kind of hung out way back in, in the day before all the Helter Skelter shit. And at night, sometimes you'd look out over blacktop and you'd see like little flickering lights like campfires and shit out there. Now there ain't supposed to be anybody out there. There's live military operations and shit going on. And there's some weird fucking people out there with campfires doing who God knows fucking what. So yeah, that's pretty creepy. So you, so you really, so you think that there are people really out there camping and that those lights aren't something else? Maybe. Um, I mean, I can't say what they are. And again, back then, I mean, we had binos, but you know, you couldn't really tell, but there's definitely something out there. The most logical explanation would be people out there building fires or whatever, but who knows, man, who am I to say what the hell it was, but definitely creepy. I don't know if you've ever been out in the high desert late at night. It, it's no. eerie quiet, no. and you're so far away from any light pollution. It's just very dark, and the sky's full of stars. And then you're supposed to be the only ones out there, and you see little lights <laughs> flickering out there. You're like, yo, what the fuck, man? Yeah, well, we're Marines. I, we're armed and shit. I'm like, yo, what the fuck, man? You I've know? heard lots of I've heard lots of stories on, especially on shooting, like. You know, that's not a shooting range, but it's a range where there's stuff, you know, you're talking about. There's um, bombs and people are... Yeah. Unexploded ordnance. Yeah. And that's the other thing that those other militaries, there's like, they, nobody in their right mind would be running across a, like a, like a shooting range while we're exactly. shooting. And yeah. so they can, you know, they're like, it can only be either somebody that's totally not in the right mind or something that doesn't care or doesn't know that they're not, you know. It's and, funny uh, you mentioned um, Okinawa. I, I did not go, but. Uh, oh, I thought you'd been out there. I'm sorry. No, I've been to Okinawa twice, um, but my buddies put together a trip. They're like, yo, we're going to go exploring. Um, the tank farm these and everything. Underground caves where there's a lot of old, old, old Okinawan burial grounds. And I'm like, yo, I'm not fucking going out there with you, motherfucker. They came, <laughs> they got pictures of them. They found skulls and stuff. I was like, yo, no, 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 not, not me, man. Nope. Nope. That's some bad, some bad juju. Yeah, That's no, not stuff. for me, man. No, I went out in town and got some yakisoba and I was nice and safe. <laughs> so, what, now, um, <laughs> Uh, like Okinawan teriyaki noodles, and you can get your choice of like chicken or beef or whatever. Really, really good drunk food. Oh, there you have it. <laughs> you know, I started to say, Shane, when you said, Well, you were in the Marine Corps, did you see uh, anything you can't explain? And I want to say, Dude, anybody in government services seen a lot of stuff they can't explain. That's true. I saw some stuff in Thailand that I can't explain as well. Well, that's a whole different <laughs> podcast uh, that we. That we should not. Yeah, this is the clean one. This is the clean one. That's right. Uh -huh. Um. So the uh, the other thing um, that we kind of discussed before you got on, I, I want to hear a little bit more about your 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 music background and that you were in the heavy metal documentary. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. I um. Let's see. I found. Uh, I grew up in the '80s, and the '80s were an amazing, amazing, amazing time to be a heavy metal fan. And in the early 80s, it was still all like the new wave of British heavy metal, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, a little of the older bands like um, Saxon and Raven and Angel Witch. And then Metallica like released Kill 'Em All. And it was like thrash metal, American thrash metal. And that changed the entire scene. So you had Metallica, Megadeth, and Anthrax, Slayer, that whole Bay Area uh, thrash scene, Anthrax from Brooklyn. And um, it just, it, it was a huge part of my life and continues to be to this day. I started going to concerts, started playing bass guitar when I was 
15 because I wanted to be Steve Harris from Iron Maiden or Cliff Burton from Metallica. And uh, I was in a couple of garage bands, played a couple of talent shows, but, you know, nothing, uh, nothing crazy. Then I joined the Marine Corps, came back. But around 2000, let's see, 2005, maybe 2006, I was on a like a heavy metal forum where people just shit post and kind of like Twitter. But back when it was just like up. The, the days of forums when you log yeah. into a forum yeah. that covered whatever topic you're interested in somebody posted a link they're like hey there's this dude sam dunn he's he's a, an anthropologist he's he's got a degree but he also happens to be a huge heavy metal fan and he's shooting a documentary you know up until that point a lot of the heavy metal documentaries were very tongue-in-cheek it was a bunch of drunk teenagers listening to loud you know raucous music he was actually looking at it from a point of view of anthropology is what is it about heavy metal music that is, why is the community so drawn to it and so tight? Um, he wanted to understand that from a human perspective. And he went from the very beginning and interviewed everybody, Ronnie Dio, um, Rob Zombie, dudes from Metallica, Ozzy, the whole Norwegian death metal scene and interviewed everybody. So they said they're interviewing people. You submit your bio, send it to this email, and if they're interested, they'll get back to you. I typed up my bio and uh, sent it to them, and I got an email like a week later like, hey, come down to BB Kings. We're going to have like a couple of hundred people down there. We'll put you on camera in one of the stairwells and ask you some questions and see how you do, and we'll go from there. So I get down there, and literally it is like all fucking posers, like – all chicks in like tight leather pants and dudes with they got to make sure they got their long hair and earrings. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck is this? And Sam comes in and he's like looking around and he's kind of like shaking his head because he's like a death metal guy. He's not really into like Motley Crue and all that glam shit. And uh, he interviewed a bunch of them and he talked he talked to me, put me on camera and uh He's like, look, I still got a lot more people to, to interview, but unless one of them knocks my socks off, I'm I'm probably going to go with you because you got a military background. You're like a real fan. You're, you're just wearing jeans and a T-shirt. There's no gimmicks, no, you know, you didn't dress up for this. You just came down as you are. And uh, a week later, he's like, yeah, we're going to go with you. So we set up an appointment. They interviewed me down, and this is actually kind of funny. They interviewed me. You know those inner city basketball courts that have the chain link fences around them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's like the sun is just going down. They've got lights and cameras and it's Sam and his two assistants and they've got the cameras on and there's a crowd gathering because they think I'm somebody famous. <laughs> so they're asking me these questions and I can hear people out. I hear people talk. They're like, yo, that's Fred Durst. That's Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit. Yo, that's they think Fred you're Fred. They thought, they thought you were I'm Fred like, Durst. I'm Do like, I'm like, I'm not Fred Durst, you motherfuckers. Yeah, Jesus. but hey, if you're hey, well, what what inner city are you in? You might all we all look the same, you know. It's New York City. And, yeah, and we I, all look I, the same. You know, so. Fred Durst. Has yeah, but to a, is it to a heavy metal guy being called Fred Durst is probably exactly. an insult. I mean, that's exactly. an insult. Exactly. And <laughs> let me caveat that in case Fred Durst hears it. Fred Durst is actually a really cool guy. He caught a lot of heat um, because his fan base turned out. <laughs> To be all the meathead jock motherfuckers that he hated growing up in an ironic twist of fate. And everybody just assumed that Fred was like them, but he hated those motherfuckers. So I just wanted to throw it out there. Fred, you're all right in my book. <laughs> well, Fred's like, and who knows, he might be. But I wanted to I wanted to ask you, so you're heavy metal now. Do you remember a rock group from Ohio called the Gods? The name sounds very familiar, but I can't like um, I can't picture them. It's like um, I think their their lead singer, his name was Eric Moore. Okay, and um, they were hard, hard, hard rock and roll. Like heavy and, for uh, the time, or just heavy in general? Heavy, heavy in general, I believe. Okay, okay? and um, and uh, the Howler will appreciate this. So my buddy David Wade. Yeah. Who who Howler? We know, uh, yeah, knows, uh -huh. knows, and he's you know he writes country with me and stuff, and used to manage David Allen Co. And he got a hold of somehow got a hold of Eric Moore, the lead singer of the Gods, oh, shit. and 
and um, and he just died. He just recently died, and he and he wanted to write. Um, he wanted to you know, he's like, hey, you want to write a song? So Eric Moore had this song. So he wrote the last song with Eric Moore called "Gods on High," and they're trying to figure out. And then he, Eric, ended up dying before they could, before he could even really um, hear the finished product. Oh, that's horrible, but, man. But uh, but yeah, they're trying to figure out how the management and stuff, how to release the song. And I think, I don't know if Eric actually sang it, but he co-wrote it. And I know they, I know, I know there's a finished version of it. And uh, so they're trying to figure out how to package it, and put it out there for the guy, because they were like, um, like crazy. Like I, he sent me articles from because it was a little bit before my time. I think they were really big in the seventies, and. Um, not top 40 at all you know they were just heavy heavy metal <laughs> heavy uh heavy rock so i didn't know if you if that was somebody that was in your um because um, i know a lot, i know some rock and roll people and they're like all oh, the gods are great but nobody knows them you know what i'm saying <laughs> nobody yeah 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 hey, you know there's a lot of there's a lot of like hidden gem bands like that that are you know mainstream success doesn't necessarily equate to being talented I mean, you look at pop culture, and pff, there's your answer right there, you know. Right. <laughs> and and, and uh, Howler, you'll like this. Um, he all, Wade just also wrote a song with um, oh, the lead singer of Looking Glass. Get out of here! I kid you not. The lead singer of Looking Glass. It's uh, oh. Elliot Lurie. Is the lead is was the lead singer, and he I don't know how Wade Wade loves old school stuff, and because we do you know we do some stuff with some older uh, country artists, and he just loves like he, like Brandy was one of his favorite songs, and he goes you know I saw they were uh, it was like some concert some throwback concert, and he goes I just reached out to him and yeah they just they finished a song I heard it last, a couple weeks ago I, they're trying to trying That's to pitch it. Thing. <laughs> it is. I'm a, it I'm is. a huge heavy metal fan, but I love my my dad was not a great guy, but one of the things I really truly appreciate about growing up was all the old old country music that I got to listen to oh, growing yeah. up, riding in a car with my dad. And um, if you look at my Spotify playlist, I got a bunch of classical music on there too, um, Bach and Vivaldi and and all that stuff. So I, I, I gotta like be that. honest. Pic- picturing you molding steel into knives to classical music, that kind of is kind of a cool image. Like, yeah, man. Ding, ding, ding. I mean, I, I could, I yeah. can see it. That's, that's and one of the, one of the things my um, my guitar teacher, uh, my bass teacher, he's a brilliant, brilliant musician. One of the things that he taught me way early on is the parallels between really good aggressive thrash metal and classical music like if if you took bach and uh put it on electric guitars it'd be metal believe it or not it's it's just the way it's the way it's delivered uh and the way it's played there's a lot of parallels to the, the, the the actual music theory behind all of it which um i still appreciate to this day well i I got to say one thing, Howler. I don't know if our normal fans tuning in are going to be like this went this went so far into left field. We don't even know what are they going to be like. This is one of the most interesting discussions these guys have had cuz I've learned so much about some subjects that I have had no clue about. I got to be honest. That's a beautiful thing. That's what like is. Well, I, you know, I was trying to think of that old cliche. What do they say? People that uh, fans that uh, matter won't mind, and th- those of mine won't matter. I don't know, but but uh, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I will see. I'm sure. You know what? I I mean, I could. I, just, I hate to say it, just like I said last one, but I could see us having him on again. I would definitely come back on That's again. We had, we had a, hey, we had an Undertaker uh, last week and uh, a funeral Two director. Yeah. yeah, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And, uh, it, was, it was fantastic. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny you mention that because one of the things that, um, and look, 
bring we're on a podcast and I'm going to bring up Joe Rogan. But yeah. one of the things I love about Joe Rogan's podcast is all of the interesting people that he has turned me on to by virtue of them being on his show. Right. Um, guys like Graham Hancock, who's like he said, an, uh, an ancient civilization researcher. And he was on Rogan's podcast one time. I sat there for three hours with my jaw on the ground, just could not stop listening to it. It was so interesting. So uh, to hear you say that is is very rewarding and, and gratifying. Oh yeah, I listen. I gotta be. I gotta be honest. I don't think that um, anybody listening probably had any idea about knife making and what it <laughs> and what it took, and and that it was really um, something somebody could really just do. You know, do, absolutely. I, 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 I mean, I'm a, I'm amazed. I really am. And I mean, I know a black. There's a blacksmith in our town who does some cool stuff like that, and and it just is. It's such a form of artwork. And I think once people go check, you know, because I know there's going to be people go check out your Instagram and your uh, website and they see it. They're going to be like, wow, that is some really cool stuff. Yeah. And what was that again? One more time before we slide on out of here. So O3Metalworks.com is my website. I'm O3Metalworks on Instagram, O3Metalworks on Twitter. And uh, even on TikTok, I do videos uh, with music of uh, just blades as I finish them. That's O3Metalworks as well. Oh, now that's good. Now I'm going to have to go check that out. I was going to say I'll TikTok, the- dude. I was going to hang up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know? Oh, man. Well, Joey, man, it's been fantastic uh, having you on. I'm so glad that I'm so glad that Howard reached out. You know, like you. I said, he was just out of kind of left field. I threw that out. You know, it was one of those. Uh, it was I don't know. What was what was the thing? Joey had said, "Who would who would if you could spend an hour on the uh, talking?" Yeah, it was just you just threw it out there. Said, "Hey, who well, who there was one of those things? Podcast? Somebody had posted a thing that said, if you could spend an hour, and it was like a park bench or a pew or something in front of, if you could spend an hour talking to somebody, who would it be? And you know, people were opining. Uh, you know, I, I just." Just pick your Napoleon, you know, right. Hitler, uh, Churchill. People, there was, uh, there was a string of them that was real high-minded people. And I got to thinking, well, first of all, I was going to say Washington and Lincoln. And what would I have? In t- I was worried about it being a language breakdown. And then if you told them, if you somehow convinced them that you were from the future, right? You're sitting there with George Washington and you're from the future. And he asks you how it's going. I mean, what would I tell him? <laughs> exactly. He right. Would, so I would just he, threw it. It, it I, would depend on, on on when you spoke to him and told him, and he'd be like, "Yeah, I'm not. What? A, I'm not going to set right. this so up." I, I mean, all out. I think five people from my Twitter feed, and then I said, "And who wants to be on?" I think I said who and who wants to be on it or something like that. And and Joey here is the only person that stepped up. There was there was one of them that j- joked around a little bit. One of them uh, anyway. But but um, I think people I think people kind of like uh, I know I've talked to people that are big fans of ours. They're like, oh no 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 no. I think it's kind of scary. But 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 they're looking at it from a different point of view. I mean. Like right now, it's just three of us talking. There's nobody yep. listening to us right now. I mean, you guys, now you they guys will are, be. You guys are very easy to talk to. I will give you that. I mean, and that's that's a huge. Um, that would be a huge concern because you know some people aren't great conversationalists, and why the hell would you be doing a podcast if you weren't a great conversationalist? <laughs> but you guys are very easy to talk to. I feel like I would just be myself and just shoot the shit and just go from there. Right. Yeah, that's oh, that's, that's the whole that's the whole that's the whole point. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, everybody go out and check. It's it's O three Metalworks. Correct. O three Metalworks. So everybody go out and check check yeah. Joey's workout on that uh, on Instagram. It, not only check it out. Buy one of them uh, uh, spikes in case oh, a yeah. werewolf comes or right. whatever else. <laughs> Better give Dracula look, hell when he shows up. Hey, look. I hope I hope enough listeners around the world. Uh, do order something. I mean, I think that would be fantastic. I hope they do order something and uh, keep you busy to the point where uh, you're rescued. You can tell that you can yeah, tell that you... new boss. I got a spike. Yeah, for right. It. Yeah. I, what's that song David wrote? What did he write? Take, take, the, this, take job this job and shove it. Take this job and shove it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 
Christmas I, I appreciate the hell out of you gentlemen for having me on. This has been a <laughs> well, well, I uh, we'll stop the recording now and then we'll have to go, you know, have a after the show discussion, which everybody's gonna be like, Hey, why didn't you keep but you know, I think, <laughs> but hey. Uh, on that note, we appreciate you coming on. And uh, look, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to watch your Instagram page and see what you make next. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.